Thanks, Chris. Um, that was very nice. It's not all that true. Um, I am actually uh, Chris's parole officer, and I'm here to do an in-house <laughs> visit. Okay. <laughs> Uh, no, this is an honor to be here. You know, I've heard a lot about this church. I've uh, got to know Pastor Chris, and um, this is a great church. It's got a great reputation in the in the vineyard. Um, I know you're somewhat new to the vineyard, but you know, you as a as a leader, as a pastor, as a preacher, uh, someone who has passion for their church and their community, and you guys out there serving the community and. You know, bringing justice, bringing kingdom in all kinds of ways. So it's a real honor to be here. So thanks so much. Um, well, today I want to talk about everybody gets to play. See, most people, I think all of us, want to be in the game. It's more fun to be in there playing than just sitting back watching. You know, you see this especially with kids, right? As soon as kids, they, they all want to just be in there running around. Like, I have a bunch of grandkids. And... Just this last um, Christmas, they were all up, and they're in my apartment, and I, I, I just kind of get them riled up. So I said, okay, let's play, you know, hide-and-go-seek. And all the kids were like, yeah, except for a couple of the older now grandkids. They're like, no, nah, we're too cool for hide-and-seek. And, Come on. No, no, we're too cool. So that's all right, and, and we started playing. And the kids were having fun. They're hiding. And we let them go anywhere. They're like in the kit, you know, in the, the cabinet with the, the pots and pans, and, and you know, they climb up in the things and get. They can go anywhere. And the kids are laughing. I'm chasing them. Fee five fo fum. And the older two kids that didn't want to play first, right? They're going, well, you didn't find us yet. I go, she said you didn't want to play. No, we want to play. We want to play. They they wanted to get in the game. I think that's how we all are especially when it comes to the kingdom of God. When, um, you know, in the vineyard, we have this long-held value. It's a phrase we use, and it's everybody gets to play. Like, everybody gets to get involved in the the kingdom of God. It's it's not just the, the man or the woman of God from up in front. It's everybody. I... Young and old, men and women, you know, brand new believers, as well as people who have been following Jesus for decades. Broken, scarred, limping people. We all get to be in the game and we get to play. Now, why is that? Well, here's my first point. I believe we've all been made to play. Let me read you something from um, the scriptures. And it's, it's from Genesis, and we get a glimpse into what happened at the beginning of time. This is reality right here. And so, so God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see, we're made in the image and reflection and in the same mode, if you will, as God. We're reflective of him. And so the best way to see that is we're like Jesus. We're made in his image. 
And Jesus, when he walked this earth, we saw all kinds of... He was a doer, right? He was in the game. He, 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 he was at creation. But he also recreated things in healing. He, he, he touched people. He engaged the community. He, he was involved with nature. I mean, he was totally in the game. And we're made in his image to reflect him. And it goes on to say, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. See, the first command in the whole Bible is basically to get in the game, to go for it, right? To, to create, to, to, to serve, to lead to engage uh, in some way, to build. And he blessed them when they did it, it says. Now, this is throughout Scripture, but I, I want to highlight this, this, this one verse. I preach this a lot at my home church, and it, it, it's so important. It puts it all together, I think. This is from Ephesians, and it says this. For we are God's handiwork. Now, that word handiwork, in the original language that this was written in, that was Greek, that can, you know, just another way of translating, some, some translations do this, is we are his masterpiece. Like this master craftsman has made us. I want you to think about this a little bit, right? Because I, 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 I've meditated on this person. This picture comes to me of this. It's, I, I kind of see it like Jesus in heaven, right? And he's ready to make you or me. It probably happened in each one of us, right? And he, maybe he goes as a master craftsman. He goes into his, his, his workshop. And I almost picture him like putting on his big leather apron, right? And he sits there and he thinks for a while. I go, hmm, all right how I'm going to make this one. And he dreams and he thinks. And this inspiration comes up to him. He says, yeah, that's it. And he gets all excited and he goes and, you know, he's got all his, his materials here and he, he opens this drawer and he, he pulls out this personality type and he, he goes over here and pulls out this, this hair color and he, he gives us this calling, this, this spiritual gifts and he's putting it in there, he's mixing it up. And he grabs this one drawer and pulls out, you know, this is going to be the height. And, and I, I, I think what happened with me is, is he pulled that out and he grabs it and he sneezed and someone blew off. He says, I'll get that later, but forgot here I am. But he puts it all together, right? And then he looks at it and he goes, oh, wow. This is awesome. This is, this is a masterpiece. And he runs out of his, his workshop and he yells like, hey, hey, Gabriel, come over here. Michael, roll your boat over here for a minute. Check this out. And they come over and go, oh. Jesus, you've, you're incredible. This is, this is amazing. This is a masterpiece. And Jesus said, yeah, I know. And I, you know what? I honestly think this is tied for the best one that I ever made. And there, yeah. See, that's what happened when he created you and me. 
We're created in his image. We are masterpieces, reflective of all his goodness. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We've been created for something, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, he's made us to do kingdom things. To bring his presence, his power, his grace, his healing, his justice into every situation we walk in. And there's these, he's prepared us, he's made us for these special things. Each one of us uniquely made with unique callings, purposes. Now, I got to tell you, when I preach this, Scripture at home. There's always someone. There's probably someone in this room right now. As you hear that, there's, there's a level of frustration that percolates up in you. Like you think, oh, okay, okay, I'm so made, and I'm specially made, but, but I, I don't feel special for one. But secondly, I'm not even sure what this calling you talk about is. What's my purpose? What have I been created to do? There's, there's a little frustration, unsettledness. For people sometimes when I talk about this. And I think there's a, a helpful way to find what that purpose is. I've stole this phrase from someone else. A, a pastor was in a big church in the Midwest. And he called it finding your holy discontentment. Holy discontentment. Let me explain that to you for a second. It, it's Holy. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a God thing. It stirs in your God. This discontentment, this, this unsettledness, this, 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 this thing in you that says, that isn't right. Somebody's got to do something about that. You see, everybody's got a holy discontentment. And you can find it when you see what really unsettles you for more than anyone else. For some of you, you may, you know, see substandard housing. And you see kids living in places where there's lead paint and it's awful and it's dangerous. And it just breaks your heart and gets you upset and you get all fired up and you find yourself saying things like, that's wrong, somebody's got to do something about that. It's most likely your holy discontentment. For some, it might be you look at people and you see people who don't know Jesus and it just, it just breaks you and, and pains you and, and you just think somebody, they, they need to know about Jesus. They're going to be separated from God for eternity until they make that connection. And somebody's got to, we got to, we got to this is the highest priority. This is so, we got to tell them about Jesus. Other people, yeah, kind of, yeah. Sucks for them, doesn't it? That's going to be your holy discontentment. It stirs you up. It upsets you. It's something you can't forget. That can be about all kinds of things. It can be around hunger. 
It can be around the way we, we treat our planet. It, it can be around the, the fact of, of, of people don't know the Bible and how to educate Kate people in, in biblical learning. It could be about how to, 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 to mend broken families. It could be about uh, racial reconciliation. It, it's all kinds of things. We're all uniquely made. But we all have this holy discontentment that just fires us up past anything else anybody else feels. And we're made to play, to serve others. And when we do it, it actually is, is super healthy for us. See, I gotta tell you, the Bible is the Word of God, right? This is truth. And what I love is when social scientists do, 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 do studies, and they, it, it, it always um, reinforces what's in here. So this whole thing about we're made to serve others. We're made, you know, to, in the reflection of Jesus to, to be builders and creators and bring the kingdom. That's serving others. It's healthier for us. Let me, let me read you some things. From the Canadian National Survey of Giving, Volunteering, and Participating. It was done in 20, the year 2000. They found this. This is in some of their conclusions. Volunteering leads to great life satisfaction and low rates of depression. They found those who volunteer reported higher levels of happiness, life satisfaction, self-esteem, and a sense of control over life and physical health. They also found that when patients with chronic or serious illness volunteered, they received benefits beyond what can be achieved through medical care. The University of Nevada, I'm sure it's this great bastion of Christian study, right? <laughs> they did a study. They found out this. If, listen carefully if you have kids. Youth who volunteer just one hour or more a week are 50% less likely to abuse alcohol, cigarettes, become pregnant, or engage in other destructive behavior. There's future benefits. Now, these ring true to me because I'm an old guy. But hopefully all you guys, all you people here will grow to be old. So put this in the little thinker behind you, right? They found retired men who serve one day a week live two and a half times longer than men who don't. Two and a half times longer. I can volunteer one day and eat all the candy bars I want. <laughs> Here's my second point. Jesus wants us to impact others. It's not just activity. It's meaningful activity. It's kingdom work. We're called to serve our king and the people he loves. Let me, let me read you something Jesus said. So he's, you know, he's talking to his teaching his disciples. That's you and I, right? That's, that's just us 2,000 years later. And he looked at them and he said this. He said, you, you are the salt of the earth. See, salt 
has a very important role. In that day, salt would preserve things that were rotting, decaying. When salt came in contact, it would slow down or stop that process. It brought flavor, right? It made things more enjoyable. Have you ever eaten popcorn without salt? Let me put that in a more clear way. Have you ever eaten cardboard without salt? It's the same thing, right? Salt flavors. It brings joy. It preserves. It stops it rotting. That's important stuff. He said, you, as a disciple, and I don't know if you're all disciples yet, if you're not, you're getting a good picture what it, with the, the, the opportunities you get when you follow Jesus now. But he said, you are the light of the world. See, light illuminates. Light shows the way. Light, it lets people see. Light chases away fear so often, doesn't it? And it gives people a sense of direction. That's impact. We're called to impact. Salt and light impacts what it comes in contact with. And when we get in the game, we impact others. And it could start small. It could start insignificant. It could start when you feel like you're just on the fringe, but you still can have great impact. Let me tell you about a guy in my church. His name was Joe. His name is Joe. He didn't change his name. Still Joe. (laughs) Joe, um, he came to me. Just about when he was retiring, he actually got downsized and was just hanging on by a thread, and he retired. And um, he said, man, I want to, um, you know, there's people that are hungry. He just saw hunger wherever he looked. He says, we got to do something about it, you know. And he's really, I said, yeah, I guess people are hungry. I mean, whatever. And he, he's like, no, man, we got, we got to do something about it. I said, Joe, what do you want to do? I don't know. Let me, let me think about it. And Joe, Joe is just a, a blue-collar, you know, he's a, a creative, but he's, he's, he's not like, wow, this guy's like super impressive. He's just Joe, you know. And um, I said, what, what do you want to do, Joe? He says, well, you know, I don't know. Let me think. Came back a week ago. He says, you know what? I'm just going to buy groceries, and I'm going to bring them. And you could, if you know anybody that's hungry, and I'll always be here at this time, and they can just come, and I'll get them stuff. I said, okay. So him and his wife, they start doing that. And, and he, he, he starts, you know, more and more people start showing up. And he begins to get other people to buy groceries. And then he gets in contact with this, this Central New York food bank. And he begins to build this whole food. He said, hey, I need space. We give him some room in our building. He builds this thing up. And it is, it is like this, the food bank considers one of their best Food, bank, food pantries in our county. Like it, it gives just about as much more food than anybody else in the whole county. And they would bring people in that, like, we're going to start a food bank, food pantry, and they'd, tell Joe, they'd bring them to Joe and say, listen to Joe's story. Showed, and Joe's just a simple guy, and he's, he's, he's doing it in this. It's our biggest ministry. It has, like, 70 volunteers and everything. And Joe, I'm telling you, Joe has about this much leadership in a thimble. And I, I don't, but he's so passionate about it, he just scoops people up. And then COVID hits. And 
you know, just like here in Syracuse, got hit pretty bad. And everything shuts down. And all these food pantries all over, in the, in the time of biggest need, all these food pantries shut down because older people, and they didn't want to be near anybody. And it's pretty, you know, it, it is, there's a dangerous element to it in that season. So the food pantry comes to Joe and says, Joe, we need food pantries. What can you do? And Joe, we, we meet with Joe and Joey, and we start three, we're a multi-site church. We start three new food pantries in the midst of the COVID crisis. By April 1st, we had three going. And it's incredible. Joe got all this thing going. And right now, we serve more food out of our network of food pantries than any other organization in other county. We f- serve enough food to give everybody in our county at least one meal a, d- a year. That's pretty, that's a lot of work. And it all started, Joe's having this incredible impact because he just listened to his holy discontentment and took the one step in front of him, the next step. And, and when Joe was just going and buying extra groceries, no one imagined that over in the next 20-something years, Joe's giving away like four or five million meals. That's a lot. So we're made to play, and we can have great impact. But, and here's my last point. We will need to step in faith. See, if God's calling you to something, it's usually a step of faith. It's usually getting off the couch. It's usually stepping out your front door. It's usually just making a little bit leap, a step into the unknown. Like, how is this going to work? And, and you're going to feel inadequate. And, and you know, I, oftentimes when God nudges me, I feel like stupid. I go, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And, and it's, it's going to be a step of faith. Because you're going to be scared to fail. And I'm betting some of you have, have holy discontentments that are bigger than you. But when we're doing kingdom work, when we're moving with the king of kings, when we're we're asked to do supernatural things, we have to have kingdom power. Holy Spirit strength, Holy Spirit wisdom, Holy Spirit um, uh, anointing, if you will. Uh, Listen to this. Listen to some of what... Jesus called his followers, including us, to do. He's been training these disciples like us, and he gives them these marching orders. I even mentioned this. We talked about this yesterday. Heal the sick. Well, that's pretty hard. That's supernatural. Raise the dead. That's supernatural. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. They were called to bring this kingdom of God in supernatural power in all the different places that we walk and we engage others. And that's a step in faith. It's a, it's a pushing through fear. It's, it's saying, can I pray for you now and praying for someone who you have to live with and see again. And he says, freely you have received, freely give. 
that the things that Jesus is doing is us is great, and it's because he loves us, and it's wonderful, and it's kingdom coming in our life, but we're not just to be a bowl receiving it all. We're supposed to be a, 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 a conduit, a hose that as it does it in us, we do it to others. We allow God to use us. And so we keep multiplying it. We're to get in the game and to serve others in incredible ways. What I want to do is, is end with a, a look at a maybe a pretty known Bible passage. And I want to look at it in the lens that I'm talking about. There's this time in Jesus' life, so... Um, He just hears that his cousin, John the Baptist, just was ruthlessly murdered, his head chopped off for proclaiming the truth. And, you know, Jesus was like us. He was a human. That must have been painful, and, and he's got grief, and, and, you know, that's just like you, you're, you kind of get spinning a little bit. And he's dealing with this incredible grief. And so he sends the 12 to go across the lake. And then he goes away and they go across and they end up landing on this other side that was supposed to be quiet so they could just have some time to, to process, I think. And he gets there and there's a crowd there. And Jesus sees the crowd and from a place of love and compassion it says he had compassion on them. And he began to teach them and show them the, the presence of the kingdom. He, he began to talk about the grace of God I'm sure of and, and you know, salvation and, 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 you know, how they could have a great life and, and then began to heal people and cast out demons. Just do what Jesus does, right? We picked the story up by then. He's doing this all day. But by this time, it was late in the day, and so his disciples came to Jesus. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. See, they noticed the situation. They noticed there was, there was pain, there was something off, that there was going to get worse. They saw Something happening in a community. This is the first step. And this is probably what's going on in some of you. You're seeing something in a community that needs to change. And so they notice. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. They're stirring this holy discontentment. And suddenly Jesus says, okay, do something about it. And they say, well, they say to Jesus, well, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Like they, 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 I, I kind of imagine Matthew as a CPA of the group, just like looking and doing, okay, we'll go no cheese on hamburgers. It's going to take, man, that's a lot of bucks. And so, you know, they complain and say, look at we... Now, we, we've noticed a problem. We've assessed the problem a little bit, and we recognize it's beyond our resources. But Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. He gives them an assignment. 
more research. Evaluate what you have. And when they found out, they said five loaves and two fish. You know, we read that line too, and we read it pretty quick, but that wasn't easy. Here's this crowd that we find out is 5,000 men. We don't know how many women and children. It's a huge crowd, right? And they got to go into this hungry crowd where food is the greatest commodity right now because everybody's getting hungry. And they got to find out who has food. Again, put yourself in their sandals for a minute. How do you do that? Like, hey, buddy, hey, what you got in the bag? Yeah, I wonder what you'd do if you had Doritos, you know? Like, they got to try to infiltrate and look and, and snoop around. 5,000 people. And they tally it up, and all they could come up, you know, five loaves, two, two fish. And Jesus direct them. Think about what they came up with. It's basically, I always, this is how I picture it, okay? I try to get into these scenes. It's kind of the equivalent of two foot-long Subway's tuna fish sandwiches. Right? Like, that's about what they have. Those loaves weren't that big, so two, you know, they'd be about this size and some fish to put in. That's all they come up with, this whole crowd. Well, Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up at heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to people. He also divided two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied as the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of fish. I mean, we read that sentence so quickly. I want you to think about what happened, right? So they come back, and he's got basically these two footlongs with him. He says, break up the groups. Now, again, you got to go in, and you got to do hard work, and you got to engage people as you move in this holy discontentment. And so they, they go, and again, it wasn't easy. Like, everybody's sitting and comfortable. They're hungry. Maybe they're a little cranky. You say, hey, do you guys just move, mind moving, making a little pathway here? And like, hey, everybody, from the blue cloak over, could you just scooch two feet? And they're like, what for? Uh, just do it. We, uh, no, I don't want it. I'm comfortable here. The master wants you. To, I don't know why. We just do. You know, like they're begging. They're 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 just. You know, it's just scooch. It was hard work to get in, but it was strategic so they could travel through and get to all the groups. And then they go, and it says, you know, basically Jesus took these and he prays. And then we always just think like, actually, I think we just don't even think about what happened. Like maybe just suddenly there's. 50 sandwiches there or something like that. No, it says he, he broke it and gave it to him. And I could just imagine, just imagine if you're Nathaniel and, and, and Philip. And, and, and he just takes a, a chunk and he, he takes his foot long, he breaks it, and he hands it to you, Philip, and he says, hey, go and go, go feed those guys. And Philip is looking at this six-inch sub and he's looking out at his crowd. He's going, holy cannoli. Like, what am I going to do, right? And I, I just ima- I, I'm just thinking, if I was him, right? You're going in this hungry crowd. You're not waving your sandwich around. He's probably kind of hiding it, keeping it on the download. 
He's like, and, and I'm sure it, it was probably the most, an, you know, oh, most anxious, honest prayer he ever prayed. Like he's walking and go, oh God, 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 you gotta help me, you gotta help me, you gotta help me. And he goes up to the crowd. This is just how I picture it. Grab him one year and a half and sometime and ask him. And just say, like, hey, like, what's he do? Like, hey, you want a little taste of sandwich? And I just like subtly to the first person, right? And he, he probably just breaks off a little piece. Like, all he's got is like six inches. He breaks off this little piece. Says, hey, you want a piece? And like, okay, goes to the next one. Here, you want a piece? Breaks off a little piece. And then and then the third person, he breaks off a little piece. And like, you know, it's some some big like motorcycle gang guy, you know, dressed in he's got this jazzed up mule over there, and you know, it's super hardcore. The guy says, I need a bigger, and he's big. I want a bigger piece. And so, sure. Sure, sure, sure. He reached down and grabs and breaks off a bigger piece and then looks down and suddenly notices that that six-inch sub is still like six inches. Like something miraculous is happening. And, and so the next one, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a, this, this, this mom with four kids. And he's like, sure, you know, I need to give my kids. And so he goes, sure. And he grabs off a bigger piece for all the kids. And he looks down, it's still like six inches. And, you know, and the next guy's more. Now he's breaking off bigger pieces. He's going to crowd. And he's getting, you know, he's getting cocky now behind the back and under the leg. And who wants more, you know? And he's just like flinging it around like he's some deli worker. And everybody eats. And he's still got some tuna fish sandwich in his hand. It's miraculous. And, and everybody eats. And Jesus, I don't think he just was doing this to do a, cre- a cleanup crew. I think he was doing this to, to nail down his point. They go, there's 12 baskets. Each one of them must have had a basket that got filled. Those baskets might have been about so big, about so high, with scraps. And Jesus is like, yes, yeah, see? You step out with me, I'm going to bless you. You can't outgive me. You do what I want you to do, and abundance will flow. So let me ask you this What is your holy discontentment. What is your holy discontentment? What has God been percolating in you? A calling, a situation. Something that you've looked at. Maybe your whole life, maybe in the last month. And you find yourself saying, that is not right. Somebody has to do something about it. Why don't we all stand? Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
And what I want to do is in a moment, I'm going to invite you down. I'm only going to invite once. I'm just going to invite you down, those who maybe the Holy Spirit is actually stirring your heart. And there's something that's percolating in you, your holy discontentment. Maybe you know it really clear. Maybe it's prison reform. Maybe it's, I, I don't know what it is. But God is stirring something. Maybe you just know you're being stirred. You know you haven't found it and you want to found it. What I'm going to do in a moment is I'm going to invite you down and I'm going to pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit gives you more clarity and sears this thing in your hearts in a way that you have to move forward. And so if you want that prayer, come on down right now and I'm going to pray for you for holy discontentment. And Chris and Denise or any of the prayer team, come on up and lay your hands on. Just hold your hands out. I'll invite you. Nothing magical about that. Just let your body reflect what your heart is doing. Come on, and if you get a word, share it. But I'm, I'm going to pray for you. Just, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. I thank you for this group of women and men who are saying yes, who are feeling your stirring. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd continue to do what you're doing. I'd ask for more. I'd ask for clarity. I'd ask you, Lord, that you would bring uh, insight. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would you'd continue to burn in their hearts and their minds what you're, what you're up to. I pray for a, a, a level of, of passion that would burn in them. I pray for faith. I pray for boldness. I pray for wisdom. I pray, Holy Spirit, that, that what you're stirring in them will, will not just be brushed off, will not be forgotten at the brunch, that, that you, Lord, are burning something in their heart. And I pray that there would be movement. And I pray creativity. And I pray uh, success. I pray that the Lord would do what, what he's what he's calling you to do. And I ask you now, Holy Spirit, that you would give each of them right now just a, a glimpse of, of the next step, maybe even a next person that you're doing this in and for. And I pray against any spirit of fear that you'd break that, Lord. And you'd give boldness. And the presence of God just fill you in this. And I pray for those in the room, uh, Lord, I pray for anyone who hasn't yet embraced with their holy discontentment as I pray that you'd stir it in them. I pray for unrest till they find it. I pray for those who have it, renewed strength, renewed vision. I pray that you would make this church, Hope story. I pray that you'd make it a, a, a wellspring of your movement in this area. And I pray for success, transformation, and fruitfulness. May it come, Lord.